0: Welcome to The Well Woman Show. Each episode is a transformational journey using mindfulness, feminism, leadership, and strategy to support you to thrive personally,
1: generate wealth, and impact your community. And I don't think that we're kind of equipped to even live in a world where basic things like water can't be taken for granted and so there's something that we have to look at in the western world because developing countries are just repeating the same mistakes that we made in the 20th century so what does the future of water really look like those are the types of questions that we try to answer with our work.
0: And now, here's your host, feminist thought leader, London School of Economics grad, leadership
2: consultant, and transformational coach, Giovanna Rossi. Hello, Well Women. I thought we'd take a little break from all of the COVID-19 news and information and perspectives. Um, Although, if you do want a little bit on working from home with kids, go back and listen to last week's episode, wellwomenlife.com slash 194 show. But this week, I talked to Dahl Avant, an award winning tech entrepreneur and graduate of Harvard University. As a data scientist and social impact strategist, Dahl was honored with the global designation of Google's woman of water and featured on Google's homepage for creating the world's largest water database. Dahl is the founder and CEO of Aquagenuity, where water meets ingenuity, headquartered in Dahl's hometown of Atlanta. On the show, we talk about what Aquagenuity is doing to help people and our water supply and how doing significant work is more important than being quote unquote successful. All the information shared today can be found at the show notes at wellwomanlife.com slash 195 show. You can also continue the conversation in the Well Woman Life community group at wellwomanlife.com slash Facebook. I'd love to hear from you over there. I'm particularly interested in how you're doing through all of this coronavirus, um, through the pandemic, and with all of the... Uh, work that you're needing to take on either on the front line as a healthcare worker or teacher, uh, educator, childcare worker, grocery store worker, or if you're working at home, and you're also homeschooling and doing, you know, multiple things, I'd love to hear from you to know what your life is like right now. Head over to wellwomanlife.com slash Facebook. And I'll be featuring some of these stories on upcoming shows. The Well Woman Show is thankful for support from Natural Awakenings Magazine in New Mexico and High Desert Yoga in Albuquerque.
1: Thanks so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. That, I love the way you phrase that because today, right now, because uh, we're, we're always growing and evolving. Um, the way most people would introduce me is I am a data scientist, I am a TEDx speaker, and I have now started to be recognized as an expert on uh, water wellness and sustainability. My company is called Aquagenuity, where water meets ingenuity. I'm the founder and CEO. And we basically just use data to make it really easy for any consumer to safely and quickly find out and answer the question, what's in your water? Yeah, I'm definitely a visionary. Um, I'm a dreamer. I'm one of the people that sees the world the way it could or should be and not necessarily as it is. And, you know, that comes with good and bad, I think. Uh, But it's kind of fueled me. I'm I'm very uh, inquisitive. I like to learn, read and travel, uh, meet people and try to look at um, kind of some of the biggest problems facing the world and understand what I can do to play a tiny part in maybe changing some of them. So I think I'm an explorer, yeah. So I was talking about aquagenuity. So most of us have heard stories about contaminated water in Flint, Michigan, uh, in the United States that hit global headlines back in 2016. And this, for those who don't know, uh, was about 100,000 residents and their families were basically being poisoned by the local water supply in a city about 35 miles outside of Detroit, Michigan. And this was horrifying. It was upsetting. Everybody was mad at the governor marching in the streets. Um, because, you know, the pipes were just leaching lead into the water that was coming out of the tap. Uh, And so I think I mentioned I I went to Harvard for undergraduate. And then I went back after Flint hit the headlines. I went back to the School of Public Health because it was really bothering me. Like, how is this happening to citizens in the United States of America? Right. Like, don't we have the best water in the world? Like what's going on? And discover that they're actually this is a stat that I shared in my TED Talk. There are actually 3,000 locations in the United States with more lead in their water than Flint, Michigan. And this is just kind of ongoing. So when you talk about how it affects women and, and women's health, uh, women were actually the warriors, the champions that brought Flint to uh, the headlines uh, because it was mothers that were giving their children baths and were seeing these rashes that were unexplained and the kid's hair was falling out. and One particular mother, she had a set of twins and one twin was significantly, the growth was stunted versus the other twin, like the moms and the people that kind of take care of the households are usually the first ones to notice when there are issues um, related to environmental factors, and in this case, water specifically. So uh, fast forward a few years, I figured out how to build a platform that makes it really easy for you to get real-time information about what's in your water. And not just what's in your water, but what does it mean for your health? Uh, what type of filter maybe should you be using, especially for mothers of young children? Um, because not all filters are the same. Uh, and and just making it really easy for people to access that information. And I didn't know, had no idea that this is like a big deal uh, for me to try to aggregate all that data into one place for all 50 states. And then. NASA called, uh, specifically Singularity University, which is based at NASA Research Park out in in Silicon Valley. Um, And then Google called and then, you know, all these folks and Forbes and so forth. So it's become this global movement. But really, I was just wanting to provide a tool for those moms uh, who had young kids to be able to just put in a zip code and find out what was in their water. Uh, yeah, I think a couple things happened. One, um, I was kind of very committed to the work for a personal reason. Um, water actually impacted my dad's health uh, for the negative. Uh, right around the time when I started doing all this research after Flint happened, he just kind of suddenly got sick. And his, he'd moved to a new house in a small town. But his lifestyle hadn't changed. His diet hadn't changed. Nothing had really changed except for his zip code. So, And he was diagnosed with diabetes and some other kind of related issues. And I'm in the middle of this big research project, and I come across this obscure report that's linking arsenic in the local water supply to diabetes and other kind of health conditions. And I'm going, wait a minute. Well, maybe that's what happened because he switched water sources or something like that. And I start digging into it. And by that time, his health had actually taken a turn for the worse. And then right around 2017, uh, June 2017, to be exact, he passed away, just kind of suddenly out of the blue. Like, you you might have to go to have certain things, but you don't typically just die, right, from diabetes. Uh, and so I I found that it was related to water and, and we just kind of never got to the bottom of it. any past. And so it made me ask the question, how many folks are being impacted by local water supplies or things like that? And they just have no idea. So that was kind of the first thing that gave me the drive or the the commitment, I would say, to stick with it. And that's important, Giovanna, because not long after I had started applying, you know, as a tech company, so there are incubators and accelerators, different programs that you do. And I started getting accepted in some of those programs that summer. And when you do that, people, you know, the first thing you have to do is kind of pitch your idea and what is it that you're working on. And so I would say it and everybody would have kind of the same reaction. But one of the, the pieces of feedback that I kept getting was, well, are they going to like it when you do this? And I'm like, well, who's they? And, you know, it's like the powers that be, like the government, like they're going to be upset that you're you know, releasing this data. Uh, and one of my hashtags is data to the people, uh, because we're not we're not activists or whistleblowers, but it's, it's data. Here's this information. It should be transparent and available to everyone. Uh, so I had a kind of a personal driving commitment to make sure to keep going, even though people were telling me, oh, this is going to be very disruptive. Uh, and then right after that, like I said, I just started. Uh, people started inviting me to apply to different programs. Um, there was a fellowship, Global Impact Fellows. They picked like 20 people from the whole world uh, every once a year for the program Singularity University at NASA Research Park. And I was selected. And then from there, uh, people started writing articles um, about the work I was doing. I believe Google saw one of the articles and it just kind of built from there. Yeah, literally. That was kind of the first innovation. Um, Right now, if you wanted to know what was in your local water where you live, excuse me, in New Mexico or where I just came from in New York, you would go and kind of try to find your local CCR report that they send out once a year, if you can find it you may or may not be able to kind of decipher what, what's on it. It's kind of a list of chemicals and, you know, some EPA levels. It doesn't really mean anything to a non-technical user, like unless you have a degree in chemistry or environmental engineering. So being able to find that data in one place for all 50 states is actually really difficult to do. There's 57,000 individual water systems in this country. Uh, the, the data is scattered, is siloed, is unstructured. Uh, they reported all different times of the year. So aggregating that all to one in one place actually required a lot of proprietary scripts. I wrote an algorithm, like all these things. So, it had, yeah, it's never been done before. So that was kind of the first innovation. From there, I, I wasn't really satisfied with it because I said, OK, this is great. I have all this data, all these toxins in one place. But what does this mean? Right. So what do I do? Uh, And so I kind of took the next step of correlating it with health risk information from the CDC and other sources. So and then generated, uh, wrote an algorithm that generates a score. So instead of a list of toxins, you will see a score. So 100 is good, zero is bad. Or we can do heat maps now. So blue is good and red is bad. So again, a non-technical user, a fifth grader, can look at this data and understand what's going on with their water and what that means for their health. The third piece of innovation is that water quality is not static. It actually changes about as frequently as the weather. So anytime you have heavy rains or flooding or dumping, um, even the leaching of the pipes in Flint was actually a result of the fact that they'd had a heavy snowstorm They salted the ground. That's what you do. And that uh, raised the level of salinity in the water, which caused a chemical reaction, which is why the pipes started leaching when they switched water sources. So these things are happening all the time. Nobody's monitoring it. Right. And so uh, making that data uh, transparent and accessible to anybody in close to real time, uh, nobody had ever done that before. And so I think that was kind of what sparked the interest in the work. We are for-profit, absolutely. So, But the, the, the data, the way it's built, the database can be pushed to any smart device. So we have companies like Zillow, uh, Weather Channel, uh, some of those folks who just want to pull the data through the API and push it out. So, again, you would see it anywhere. You do Google search and so forth. Uh, even the, the app or the web app, there's a free element. So if you put in the zip code of where you, where you live or where you're traveling to or your mom's house, it's going to give you a water score for that area. If you want to, to test the water at your tap, like in your house, uh, you can choose to buy the starter kits, which are pretty low cost. Uh, and there's other technologies and different tests and 23andMe for water uh, water uh, genome tests that you can do as well if you choose to upgrade. But the access to the data is free, yeah. Yeah, um, the best way to access it is just go to to our website, the company website, or you can actually go to myaquascore.com. That's the the name of the water score. Uh, And yeah, just put in your zip code. And uh, for those who are already on our beta list, it'll happen now. For those who aren't, by the time they hear this in March of this year, we're launching uh, with United Nations World Water Day in March of 2020. And we're launching at South by Southwest as well this year. So when you go there, you put in your zip code and you get all the info right there on the web app or whatever smart device you happen to be on. That's right.
0: hmm. Right.
1: Yeah, So one of the reasons why uh, we I've been doing the research, as I mentioned, almost a couple of years now, our team, we have an office in Atlanta and a team in Seattle as well, uh, worked very hard to make sure that the data was accurate, that it could be you know updated, that it's real time and so forth. We had a lot of partnerships and all of that. Um, but we also had to be really careful to be responsible with the data, because like you mentioned, people, when they find out, and there's so many stats, and I go into a lot of that in the TED Talk, just stories, uh, There are literally, you know, thousands of chemicals, some of which are not regulated by the EPA, that could be in our water, they are in our water right? And so what do you do about it? And so forth. And so we wanted to be really responsible with that data. We're not here, again, to scare people. We're not activists. We really just want to empower people with the information so that they can take better precautions in their own home. And then ultimately, it would drive, you know, changes in policy and things like that at the government level. So we've actually built a lot of relationships with municipalities uh, around the country, uh, dealing with council people and mayors and and uh, so forth, so that they know who we are. They see us as an ally and a resource. So when we launched this year, uh, actually the initiative that we're launching is the Water Genome Project. So we're actually partnering with corporations, uh, the Georgia Aquarium, which is the largest aquarium in the world, and some of the Fortune 500s that are are based here in Atlanta, the the Coca-Colas of the world, if you will. Uh, We were in Coca-Cola's bridge community uh, last year. Uh, So these folks are coming alongside us to actually adopt local schools. So that just means that we will monitor, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the water at those schools, which gives us data down to the street level. So back up a second. The data that we have right now from the EPA and any available source in our database, it's cool, it's never been done before. It's great. That gives you data down to the zip code level. But in order to get to the point where we can use this data to even predict or prevent water related crises, we need it down to the street level, the neighborhood level. And so to do that, we're adopting schools. So if you look at a map right now of health disparities, um, socioeconomic disparities uh, and water quality, they all look the exact same. The map, like if you take one of the counties in Atlanta here, one of the bigger counties, the north side of the county is blue and the south side of it is red in terms of water quality, blue is good and red is bad. And that's also the higher income schools are on the north side and the lower income schools on the south side. So it's really just an infrastructure issue. It's an, it's an equality, uh, equity, environmental justice issue, right? But if you don't have data, uh, people just politicize it, right? But if you have the data, so you're just using that data to make it easier for communities to kind of engage and so forth. So a lot of big companies are coming alongside us. It's just to help us map the local water ecosystem. And we're doing that uh, starting in Atlanta, but in every major city in the country. So that that's what the rollout looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's, that's kind of way my brain works. I, I dove into this space. Uh, actually, the reason why I was paying attention when Flint happened is because I was working in the water space, water quality, water filtration space with my mentor. Uh, he's now 82 years old. He was the first uh, African-American to have his own bottled water plant in the United States back in the day. And he had invented a really cool water filter, gotten an award from the United States Congress congressional black caucus and he was working on commercializing this filter and so i was working with that team and leading uh, eventually or actually served as ceo for a while of that company and we were meeting with all the you know the big partners in the world and going through the whole process and everybody was saying oh this is great it's amazing technology but we don't really need it because our water's fine but I spent all day, every day, looking at the data, and I said, "Well, no, your your water's not fine." But they, no one knows, and so I realized the real gap was the the lack of information around water quality and awareness around water quality. There are really cool filters. There are actually patented technologies inside of NASA and some of our university partners as well that are just sitting on shelves because people don't know that they need to be using them. And so our mission at Aquagenuity is really to just raise the awareness. And we're actually starting kind of a national conversation around water quality is not a third world issue. Uh, this is happening right here in the United States. Uh, by 2030, the United Nations says that if we don't do something different, there will be a 40% higher demand for clean water than there is supply for the first time in human history. And I don't think that we're kind of equipped to even live in a world where basic things like water can't be taken for granted. And so there's something that we have to look at in the Western world because developing countries are just repeating the same mistakes that we made in the 20th century. So what does the future of water really look like? Those are the types of questions that we try to answer with our work.
2: I'm so thankful for support from Natural Awakenings Magazine in New Mexico, a monthly green, healthy lifestyle publication, and for support from High Desert Yoga, promoting optimum physical health, clarity of mind, and spiritual inspiration for all. Many of you have followed my journey from consulting to women's leadership and empowerment, starting a nonprofit, raising two kids and everything in between. I've really taken some time this year to focus in on where I can help the most women with their own desire to create social impact and also a good income for themselves and their families. As my consulting and coaching practice is growing, I found that one of my favorite things to do is the free discovery sessions. I love hearing about people's passions for the work they do, sharing what I do, and helping people understand what my hybrid consulting coaching is all about hint, hint, serious strategy plus spacious mindset. So if you find yourself worrying about whether you'll ever make it in the thing you're pursuing, or waking up in the middle of the night anxious about money, lacking energy you need to get everything done, or procrastinating on moving forward with projects and tasks, or even if you're in a leadership role, but you're second-guessing yourself and not getting things done, I'd love to talk to you. These conversations help me get clearer on how I can help more leaders create the impacts and income they want so they can start living with ease and joy. Plus, you'll get a free hour with me to get crystal clear on what you want to create for your company or organization and your life and what's been holding you back. So if you're interested, you can book a call at wellwomanlife.com slash learn more.
1: Uh, I, I will steal this from a friend of mine. He's a motivational speaker. Uh, and he always says, you know, it's not really that important to have success, at least not in the traditional term. He said, you know, I'm driving for significance. And I think that applies to me in terms of my work um, it was never just enough for me to kind of, you know, go to school and get the, the six figure job and do the house or the gate or whatever goals people have and or whatever people define as success. But I really wanted to understand what it means to be significant, to have an impact on um, the folks around me or the folks that I'm blessed to influence. Uh, in and kind of not the legend that I tell about myself, but the legacy, what, what will be left here when I'm gone. So that to, to, to me is what success looks like. Uh, Well, in in the work that I'm doing now, to be quite honest, because as I said, I kind of fell into it um, because I was just really passionate about trying to solve this problem. When I first the first time I ever did a pitch competition, I pitched in front of a group of about 500 people at a pretty big, uh, pretty big uh, pitch event anyway. Uh, But it was sponsored by Wired Magazine and Jack Daniels and all these folks were there. Uh, I only applied because a friend of mine told me to do it. It's like, fine, whatever. And then they, they picked three folks as the finalists. And so we went there and it was fun and whatever. So I get up on the stage and I tell the story. Uh, and when I finish, you know, people are cheering and, ah, oh, you know, And I was like, well, that's cool. Um, uh, but it kind of turned into this viral thing. And even after I got off stage and the next couple of people were pitching, uh, they're friends of mine. So we laugh about it now, but, uh, he was talking about his his product and he said, well, this will save you about three hundred fifty dollars a year. What would you do with an extra three hundred fifty dollars a year? And the people in the crowds green, they go buy clean water, you know, so they're still like on my pitch from you know, 10 minutes before. And so obviously I won. Uh, and then, you know, we got featured in Wired and then did a TED talk. It kind of just so that. really let me know, wow, they call me the pitch queen. Uh, that's why they, they call me that. Absolutely. Uh, I am teaching in my, my house. There are some cousins and uh, family members and folks who are I'm taking them through what I call procrastination boot camp. Uh, because we a lot of folks have just a lot of big visions and things they want to do. And we just kind of get overwhelmed by life and being busy and so forth. So I use a block schedule. Uh, I call it the elephant diet. This is the only way that I can do so many things at one time uh, where I break everything down into the, how do you eat an elephant? Right. One bite at a time. And I break everything down into the absolute smallest possible bite. And this is not something that's maybe brand new, but just this is how I use it in my personal life. Uh, smallest subtask that you can break down into. And then I have the block schedule listed out for the week. So I already know, like today I have this podcast interview. I know what I'm doing after and so forth, but not um, by appointment, but by blocks of time. And then when I show up for that block of time, okay, it is time to work on my, my book. I have a book coming out this fall. So when it's time to work on the book, it's not, let me sit down. what do I feel today? No, I go to my list of tasks and so my elephant diet. okay, what's the very next chunk? So if you'd finally have ten minutes or thirty minutes, I can get the very next thing done that's on my list for that project. And I do that every single day, and things just magically get done. if without without the block schedule, I think I'd be lost. So. My ability, yeah, to communicate a vision is something that I, I definitely underestimated until recently, the last few years, um, because being a gifted communicator, those of us who are communicators or who are forced to communicate by the work that we do, um, it's very underestimated. But when you're able to speak to people in a way that gets them to stop what they're doing, first of all, and pay attention, uh, but also... To really connect with you emotionally and then to remember what you said and go take action based on what you said, that is a definitely a superpower. Um, and it's something that I've learned to really embrace and to try to share with other people, that, you know, simple ways that they can you know, be more effective communicators as well. Because I think that's the most powerful thing. If you can get somebody to take action and then they get 10 people and so forth, that to me is how we change, change the world. Storytelling. Uh, Like I said, when when you're able to get people to resonate, connect with you emotionally, even if they don't really know what you're talking about, if they connect to the emotional heartbeat of what you're talking about, they will remember it and they probably will take the action that you asked them to take. Oh, definitely to have confidence um, in in your own ideas. That's what I would tell my younger self, because you have no idea what's on the other side of you finishing a goal, right? You talked about folks who want to write books or folks who want to do something in their community. And it's an idea that we sit on for years Um, and you have no idea what happens if you put it out into the world. I had no idea I'd be speaking all over the world, uh, working on a television show and you know, launching with all these huge organizations, I had no idea I'd be on the homepage of Google. I just wanted to help people know what was in their water. But say I had never done anything with it or say I would just written it in a notebook or a journal and left it in the back of my closet like we do so often, I never would have been in this part of life that I'm in. Um, and so I would definitely say to my younger self and to anybody listening, if you have an idea that just won't go away, pursue it, pursue it.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Right. Absolutely.
1: Um, I do not in the politicized way that people try to do it, but obviously I'm all about women and women having uh, a sense of empowerment uh, and understanding what that means in in modern society. I 100 percent about that. That is wonderful. I have three books on my nightstand. Uh, they're all memoirs because the book that I'm writing this year is, is part memoir. Uh, so one of the, the the books, the one right on top is called Jesus Land, which i would never heard of. But it's just a memoir about uh, uh, the writer. She grew up in kind of rural Indiana, if I'm not mistaken. And her, her family adopted uh, a black kid uh, in the middle of this kind of very cornfields community. And um, she talked about how they grew up and kind of reflects on what that means for, you know, race relations then and race relations now in our country. It's an award-winning memoir.
2: Thank you so much. That's it for our show today. Remember, if you need support to live your Well Woman Life, head over to wellwomanlife.com slash Facebook to join our community. As a reminder, we are on NPR every week, so be sure to tune in at npr.org slash podcasts and search for The Well Woman Show. If you enjoyed today's show, please take a moment and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a review. This helps raise visibility, which is super helpful when it comes to producing the show every week. For feedback, comments, or just to let me know you were listening, find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Well Woman Life. I'm Giovanna Rossi for The Well Woman Show. Until next time, have a super powerful week.